Well, again, it is good to see each of you here this morning. And just want to let you know that we're not going to be here for a real long time this morning. And there are a couple of reasons for that. So I would ask in light of the fact that we're not going to be here just a real long time, if we could try to keep the movement to a minimum, I think that would help everyone to be able to listen and to concentrate and to give attention to what is being said this morning. And I do want this message to be a help to us, okay? And so I trust that uh, you will, as I've already mentioned, you will give attention to the word and let the spirit of God speak to your heart through the power of his word. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started. Father, we are thankful for this day, and Lord, I know that each Sunday is or should be a reminder of your resurrection, but on this special day that we have set aside to uh, give attention to that, I think for myself at least, I am especially mindful of it and probably more grateful than at normal times, and Lord, I'm just thankful for your resurrection. I'm thankful for the truths of of song that we've already enjoyed uh, today. And God, I pray that in these next few moments you would speak through your word, through me, uh, to us. And God, that you would help this message to be a help today. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'd like to begin by doing something that may seem a little odd, that may seem a little bit unusual to you. But I'd like to begin this message by asking you to think about your home and the contents of your home. I want you to think about your home and the contents of your home for just a couple of moments. If you were to do that, I don't know exactly what comes to your mind, but if you were to think for just a moment about your home and the contents of it, you may think of your living room furniture, a couch, a love seat, a recliner, whatever it may be that you have in there. You may think of the living, not the living room furniture, but maybe the bedroom furniture or maybe what you have in the kitchen. I don't know what would come to your mind, but if we thought about it for a few moments, our home and the contents of it, certainly things would come to our mind that we call possessions that we have in our uh, grasp, so to speak. At the same time, I don't know if this would be true of everyone, but I think it would be true of most of us, that if we thought about it long enough, at some point, we would think about things like this. Maybe that photo album that has those pictures from our wedding, however many years ago that took place. We might have those old home videos of our children when they were first born and later learning to walk and maybe getting on video those first words that the children spoke, spoke or, 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 or communicated with us. And, and there would be different items throughout the house that, that are special to us, that have meaning to us, that, that have significance to us. And so as that would be true of most of us, I want us to think about this, that if you were to go through my house, I know that may seem a little bit odd, but if you were to go through my house, if you were to ask me, okay, what is your living room furniture worth to you? Well, I would respond with something like this. Well, let me try to remember what I paid for it. Let me try to remember how long I've had it. And let me try to think what it would cost me to replace it. And then I would be able to give you a number on what that furniture was worth to me. If you were to go into our bedroom and say, okay, I see that you've got a, a dresser and a nightstand and a headboard and things of that nature, what would you sell that to me for? Again, I'd go through the process and I'd say, well, let me think about it. It cost me this. I've had it this long. I'd have to spend this much to replace it. And so here's a dollar value. And if you want it, this is what you'd have to pay me for it. But if you came to that closet in our house where we keep all of our photo albums, where we keep all of our home videos, 
and you were to say to me, okay, what are these things worth to you? You know what I'd have to respond with? Those are not for sale. Those things are priceless to us. Not because we couldn't go out and buy some more DVDs on which to video family events. It's not as though we can't take more pictures and print them off and put them in photo albums. But you understand this, that that if I were to lose the photo album from the time that Susie and I got married and all the memories that are captured in that album, and if we were to get rid of all the home videos and the DVDs from when the kids were born and when they were learning to walk and learning to talk, if we got rid of all those, those would be things that we could not replace. And so we would say... Of those items, at least in our home, we would say those are priceless. Those have a value associated with them that really cannot be measured. Those things mean more to us than any type of furniture or any kitchen utensil we could own. Those things are invaluable. Those things are not, they're not for sale. You understand that, do you not? That if we were to go through your house, many things would be for sale. Many things you might say, hey, if the price is right, I'll get rid of it. But there would be certain things that we would come to in your home and you would say, no, 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 that, that's not for sale. That just means far too much to me to ever let that go. Now, this morning, as we think about that thought, as we think about that principle, we just need to hold on to it for a couple of moments because we'll get to it in just a few minutes. But this morning, I want us to think about what we're here for today and what the special occasion is for you and I. I know that most of us know this, but today is Easter Sunday, and I think most of us are aware of the significance of this day, but I think if you and I are honest, we also know this, that we are living in a culture that is becoming further and further removed from the truths of God's Word. And as a result, there is a lack of real awareness or understanding of the significance and the importance of this day. As a result of our culture shifting away from the Bible and the truths of God's Word that it once seemed tethered to, to an extent, as a result of distancing ourselves as a culture from the truth of God's Word, We have lost an awareness and an understanding of the importance of this day. And so if we could for just a moment, I'd like to remind us why this day is special to Christians, why this day is special to believers. This day is special to Christians and to believers because here is what we trust and here is what we believe to be so, that a little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he left heaven and he entered this earth in the form of a baby, and as he lived his life, he did so in a sinless fashion. That as Christ walked upon this earth from the time that he was born to the time that he ascended into heaven there in the book of Acts, here is what Christians believe, that throughout his entire life he lived a sinless, holy, perfect life so that one day he could be the sacrifice for the sins of mankind. We believe that Jesus Christ was the only one who could pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus Christ was the only one who could pay the debt for the sins of mankind. And so at just the right time, at the appointed time in history, here is what Christ did. We believe that Christ laid down his life for mankind, for men, women, and children. 
a Christian, a, a Bible-believing Christian, here is what they truly believe, that God's life was not taken, or that the life of Christ was not taken by the hands of those who wished to kill him. Listen, this was not some, some accidental event that took place that God had to rectify. No, this was something that God and Christ did voluntarily. Christ laid down his life on the cross to pay the penalty of sin once and for all for mankind so that man might have a relationship with God through Christ. We believe that to be so. We also believe this, that as Jesus Christ laid down his life so that he might pay the penalty for the sins of mankind, we believe this to be true, that three days later he arose. Just like we sung about this morning, just like the special dealt with a few moments ago, we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, literally and physically, and that at some point later he ascended into heaven, and that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father today. Christians are of that mindset, Christians are of that belief, Christians are of that conviction, and so for you and I who identify ourselves as Christians, this day is special for us because what we believe in our heart of hearts is this, is that my Jesus arose and my Savior is alive today. I do not serve a dead Savior, for lack of better words. If Christ was dead, he would be no different than any other religious leader that ever walked on this earth. So as a Christian, we believe that Christ came, he lived a sinless life, and at the appointed time he laid down his life, died on the cross for the sins of mankind, and three days later he arose victorious, and that you and I are now able to have a relationship with God through Christ because of what Christ did on the cross for us. As that is so, here is what we know, that not everybody today believes such a thing. Not everyone believes in the actual existence of Jesus Christ. If they believe in the actual existence of Christ, they don't believe that he was really the Son of God. They, they don't really believe that he lived a sinless life. And they don't really believe that, that his crucifixion paid for the sins of mankind. There are a lot of people who believe that in and of themselves they are good enough to be righteous. And they, in and of themselves, are good enough to be what they're supposed to be so as to have a relationship with God. There are many people who discount the existence of Christ, the work of Christ, the death of Christ, and there are many who would deny the resurrection of Christ. And so I want to say to you this morning that my desire today is not to try to prove the resurrection of Christ to anyone. That's really not my agenda today. That's really not my heart today. I pity those who don't believe in the existence of Christ, His work, and His resurrection. I, I feel for those people. But today what I want us to do is I want us to be reminded of how priceless the resurrection of Christ is to you and I. 
of all the things we may be able to part with in this life, of all the things in this world that we may say, okay, I would you know, part with that or I would separate ways with that, of all the things that I want us to, to realize we should hold on to dearly and realize this is priceless and this has a value associated with it far above anything else, I want us to realize that the resurrection is something that should mean more to us than anything else in the world. I want us today to be reminded, friends, this is not for sale. In my system of beliefs and my convictions and what I truly believe and hold on to for this life, the, 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 the resurrection is not anything I am willing to budge or trade or barter or, or negotiate with. No, this is of utmost importance in my life. This has the greatest value of anything that could be true for me. Now, why is it so important? Well, this morning we're going to be in the book of Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians this morning. And as you find your place in 1 Corinthians, I want us to understand this, if you're not aware of this, that this letter was written by a man by the name of Paul to a group of believers in Corinth. And as you read through the scripture, especially the chapter that we'll be dealing with today, I I want you to know this, that the Apostle Paul was not iffy on his position of the resurrection. He wasn't sitting around trying to decide whether or not Christ really rose from the dead. He wasn't trying to decide if that's really what he was going to believe, if that's really what he was going to accept for his life. No, Christ was, or Paul rather, he was fully persuaded of and convinced that Christ not only lived and died, but that he rose again. Well, how do we know? Well, in verse number 3 he says, and that he, that being a reference to Christ, was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, I probably didn't give you the chapter, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That would be helpful, I would suspect. Did I give you 15? Some are saying no, some are saying yes, so that means we don't know. 1 Corinthians 15, though, okay, this, this will show us that Paul was not iffy in his position of the resurrection. How do we know? Well, notice there in verse number 5, he said this of Christ. He says, "...and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve." So that would be a reference to the disciples, Peter specifically, that he was seen of Christ. He goes on to say in verse number 6, "...after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once." So after the resurrection of Christ, he made an appearance to over 500 brethren at one time. And Peter or uh, Paul says in verse number 6, "...of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep." Now all that means is this, of the over 500 people that Christ appeared to after his resurrection, some had already died, some had already entered into eternity, But Paul said the majority of them were still alive and would give testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then in verse number 7 he said, After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So again, I just want to convey this thought, this truth, that Paul was not iffy on the subject of the resurrection 
Paul was convinced Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, as you go through the rest of the chapter, you find that there are other issues that Paul is dealing with. But I want us to look in verse number 20 for just a moment. Because again, what we see here is a very simple declaration of the resurrection of Christ. Paul says in verse number 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead. At this point, he's not trying to prove the resurrection of Christ to anyone. At this point, he's not arguing. He's not debating. He's not trying to engage people and, and convince them of this. At this point, for Paul, it is a statement of fact, something that is not to be disputed. He simply says, now Christ is risen from the dead. But there is significance associated with that statement because he says in the next part of verse number 20, that he has become the firstfruits of them that slept. He has become the firstfruits of them that slept. What does it mean when Paul references those who have slept? Well, again, he's talking about those who have already passed away, those who, who, those who have already died, those who have already entered into eternity. Now, as you look there, he says that Christ, as a result of being risen from the dead, that he became the firstfruits of them that slept. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think some of us understand this, but not everyone would, so let me just explain that the firstfruits is a religious term that was associated with the agricultural lifestyle that they were familiar with in their day. The first fruit dealt with the first offerings that would have come from the crops of land that had been harvested. So when a landowner had a crop, when a landowner had the land that had yielded the fruit, had brought forth the fruit of the soil, here is what that landowner would do, is they would take a portion of the first harvest, they would take a portion of the first increase that they had been given, and they would come and they would present that as an offering to the Lord. And yet here is the significance of the first fruit. It always represented not just the initial increase, but it also signified that there was more to come past what was now being presented. Does this make sense? See, that first fruit from that landowner, from that one who had the crop and, and brought the, the, the offering in, here is what the first fruits did, is not only did it reflect an offering off of the first portion that came in, but it was almost like a promissory note that said this, listen, not only is this a portion of what has come in, this is a portion of what will come in in the future. So what Paul is saying is this, that as a result of the resurrection of Christ from the dead, not only is his resurrection significant for him, but it is significant for this reason, that his resurrection reflects the reality that there is another resurrection that will one day take place. Now I sense the excitement in the room right now. Well, why is that important? Well, if you go over to chapter or verse number 52, in verse number 52, here is what Paul says. Well, let's go to verse number 51. In verse 51, Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 
Not everyone is going to die, the Apostle Paul said. He says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. What is Paul saying? He is simply saying this, that as a result of the resurrection of Christ, he not only represents his resurrection, but he represents the resurrection of the saints that will one day take place in the future. He says in verse number 53 that this corruptible, the body that he was in, the corruptible body that they were in, here's what was going to happen when Christ came back. There was going to be another resurrection and the corruptible was going to be changed to an incorruptible and the mortal was going to be changed into an immortal being. And he says in verse number 54 that as a result of this, death is swallowed up in victory. And he says in verse number 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Paul, what does the resurrection mean to you? Paul, what kind of value would you place on the resurrection? I think Paul would say something like this, it means everything. Why does it mean everything to you, Paul? Why is this so invaluable to you, Paul? Why is this so, so precious to you? He would say, I think, it's not only because it validates the ministry of Christ, but it is priceless and it is so valuable to me for this reason, that it assures not just the resurrection of Christ, but it assures my resurrection, and it assures the resurrection of everyone who has called upon the Lord to save them. It assures them that one day they will be changed and they will be raised, and the corruptible body will put on incorruptible, and the mortal will put on immortality. And as a result of that, it truly takes away the sting of death and the pain of death. That's why it means so much to the Apostle Paul, because it assures the Apostle Paul of a changed body that would one day live forever in heaven with Christ. Without the resurrection of Christ, there would be no guarantee of a resurrected body for the believer to one day spend forever with Christ in heaven. So I ask you again today to consider this thought. Why is the resurrection so important for you and I? Well, it's important for this reason. The resurrection of Christ still assures us and confirms the future resurrection of those who have placed their faith in Christ. You and I are alive today, right? You and I are alive today. We're enjoying the, 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 the joys of this life and the benefits of this life. You and I are alive today. But I think every one of us would have to say something to this effect that we've also been touched by the reality of death in our lives. We've lost that parent. We've lost that loved one. We've lost that grandparent. We've lost that child. We've lost that dear friend. Whatever it may be, 
I don't know about you, but there is something beautiful about the resurrection that when you think about that family member, when you think about that friend who died in Christ, it is wonderful to know that that was not the end of their existence, that one day they will be resurrected and they'll be brought back to life. Their immortal body will be, or their mortal body will be put on immortality and the corruptible will take on incorruptible. Friends, that means something to me to know that one day I'll see loved ones and friends again, not because of anything man has done, but the resurrection of Christ reveals that and confirms it. Boy, I like that. And I like it for this reason. I'm getting older. Just a moment ago, I was visiting with Mason, and I was being silly, and I was saying something, and and, and I said, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm going to paraphrase this just a little bit for, for your sake. But I said, you know, paraphrasing, it's hard to be cool when you're grunting every time you sit down. I'm just saying, you know, I'm getting older and, and you're getting older, right? Can, can you feel the effects of aging on your body? I know some of you are so young and I'm thankful for you. You're saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. Trust me. You'll know in a few years. And I know I've said this in the past, but, but some of you are saying, Kyle, you just wait till you get where we're at. I, listen, I get excited about the resurrection because I know that I'm aging. And you know what I'm realizing? I'm realizing this corruptible body is truly corruptible. And this mortal body is truly mortal. This body is aging. This body is decaying. This body is, is breaking down. This body is deteriorating. And one day there is going to be a stage where the body totally fails me and I will leave this life. Could we please listen to this? There is coming a day when I'm going to take my last breath and I'll be put into the grave. And there's coming a day when you'll take your last breath and they'll put you in the grave. And you know why the truth of the resurrection is something to be excited about and why it's something to value and why it's something to say, you know what, of all the things I believe, that is priceless and that's not for sale. You know why it's so valuable to me and why it ought to be to you? Because his resurrection assures you and myself that this is not the end. That one day the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air. And friends, I don't know which way I'm going to go. But if I go by way of the grave, either way, here's what I get to do. I get to trade the corruptible in for an incorruptible. I get to trade the mortal in for the immortal. And you know what I get to do because of his resurrection? I get to be resurrected and I get to live forever ever in heaven with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is something to rejoice in, and that is something to celebrate. Because of His resurrection, I will be resurrected. And whenever I think of the fact that I'll be resurrected, that my loved ones will be resurrected, that my friends will be resurrected, like Paul said, it really does in so many ways take away the sting of death. It really does in so many ways rob the grave of its victory over our lives. It's something to celebrate. That being said, I just want to give us this for consideration 
Not because I want to end on a down note, not because I want to end on a, on a fashion that would seem a little bit less exciting, but I want us to understand something because I've got to be honest with you. If I didn't share the whole story with us, I wouldn't be much of a pastor or much of a friend. I just want to say this to you this morning, that the resurrection is going to take place no matter what. The resurrection of the dead is going to take place one way or another, whether we agree with it or believe it or not, it's going to happen. Will the saints rise to put on that immortal and to put on that incorruptible, to live forever with Jesus Christ? Yes, but you've got to know something as well, that those who are dead who were not dead in Christ, they also will be raised. They too will be raised, but they will not be raised to a forever in heaven with the Savior. Let's hear this. If a person dies without Christ, if a person dies without a relationship with Christ, the reality is this. They too will put on an immortal body they too will put on an incorruptible body. But rather than a forever in heaven with the Lord, they will be forever separated from the Lord in a literal place that the Scripture calls hell. And because that being died without a personal relationship with Christ, their existence will forever be sealed in this place of torment where the worm dieth not, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth in this, again, this eternal flame, this place called hell. So on one hand, the resurrection is something to celebrate and to be excited and to value and to view as priceless. And yet it's also something that could cause some to be fearful and some to be concerned. And this morning, I'd just like to say this. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have never come to a place in your life where you were willing to humble yourself and admit, I am a sinner and I cannot save myself, no matter what I do, no matter what religious efforts I try to engage in, no matter how kind I try to be, until you are willing to admit that your goodness will never make you right with God, if you would be willing to humble yourself today, Call upon Christ to save you. He will save you. But if you've never done that, then heaven is not your future home. A place called hell is where you will spend eternity. And again, I've got to be honest enough to tell you that. And so this morning, if you say, Man, I, I've never done that. I've never called upon Christ. I, I've never humbled myself. I've never asked him to save me. This would be the day that you need to do that. This would be the day that that needs to be done so that you can look on the resurrection of Christ and say, you know, that's something I celebrate because one day I'll be resurrected to spend forever with my Savior in a place called heaven. If you're here this morning and you know without a doubt that you're saved, I want you to leave here today. Maybe of all the things you'll think about and give consideration to, I'd encourage you to leave here today to say, Lord, I'm so thankful for your resurrection because I can sit here today knowing that whether I meet you in the air, having not passed from this life, or if I go the way of the grave, one day, because of your resurrection, I'll have the opportunity 
to live with you forever. And I just want to thank you for that. I want to celebrate that. I want to rejoice in that. And again, of all the things we may give consideration to, I'd like us to be mindful of that so that we can celebrate the day for what it's intended to be celebrated for. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that the message has been clear. I pray that it's been something that could be understood. And God, I pray that it's something that would be a help to your people and maybe even some in here today who may not have a personal relationship with you. Lord, there may be some in here today who are just reminded of the fact that because of your resurrection, one day that family member, that friend, they're going to see again, and it's something that gives them joy. Maybe we sit here today and we look and we are so aware of our own mortality that it's just good to be reminded that it won't always be this way. That one day our bodies will be changed, we'll get to be forever with you, and that's something to celebrate. And Lord, if there's someone here today who's never placed their trust and confidence and faith in you, I pray that today would be the day that they would. That they'd be willing to visit with me, that they'd be willing to visit with someone they may know about their relationship with you and that they could get that settled today and squared away. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays.